Okay, so the teaching tonight is let the sun shine at the workplace. Now, those of you that aren't working, you're retired, or maybe you're working remotely from home, or maybe you're a stay-at-home mom, you are, don't get a free ride tonight. This includes everybody, because here's the deal. If you and I can get a handle on how we represent Jesus when we're in the workplace, if we can do that and we can get a handle on that, because that's got to be the greatest place of trials, right? You run into all kinds of people, all kinds of personalities, all kinds of stressful situations. So if we can get a handle on how we can represent Jesus and look like a Christian and be a Christian in the workplace, at work, then we can handle anything, anywhere, no matter what your status is. Do you agree? Say amen. amen. Okay. <laughs> Let me pray for you. Let's, or pray for me. Let's pray for the study. Would you join me in prayer? Father God, truly you, you are an awesome God. And Lord, as I think about representing Jesus, what an honor. What an honor you've given us, Lord, to try the best we can do while we're in this world to be like you, Lord Jesus, to have the attributes that you had when you were here on earth that you've told us to now carry out with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, Father, we pray as we go through these scriptures tonight, I pray individually, Lord, that you would touch these women's hearts tonight. Lord, in an area maybe where they don't feel that they're, they're quite what they should be, Lord, I just pray you would point that out to them. I know that you have a message for everyone here tonight. So, Lord, I'm just asking that you bless our time together in the precious name of Jesus. And all my friends said, amen. amen. Okay, so as I explained, if we can handle... Uh, ourselves in the in the workplace and represent Jesus then we should be able to handle anything so does the Bible tell us specifically does it talk about the workplace absolutely it does here we go okay Colossians 3 23 through 24 says work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. It's right there, isn't it? Let's break it down and take a look at it. It says we're to work willingly. That means we're to be ready. We're to be eager. We're, we need to be prepared to be productive. Wherever you are, we need to be productive. And I'm just going to throw out some questions, obviously. I don't want you to answer, but just because I want you to think about these things. Do you need constant supervision or instruction? Are you ready to give your job your full attention or whatever uh, you're handling at that particular time? Are you a self-starter? Are you working whether or not the boss is looking? Some things to think about. Whatever you do, he says, to move on, work willingly at whatever you do, so that may be some of you say, well, you know, what I do really, it really doesn't matter. I mean, I'm not, you know, a big shot and I'm just this little menial person who, you know, opens the mail and distributes the mail or whatever. But can I tell you that there is no menial job with God, okay? It may not seem important to you, but how you handle that job is important to God. So there are no tasks to him that are menial because it's a testimony to your Christianity. 
We should always try to do the best job, no matter where we are or what we're doing. And, and I'm talking to those that uh, stay at home. There was uh, this little sign that uh, a mom put over her kitchen sink, and it said, divine service held here three times a day. <laughs> so, you know, if you're washing dishes, it's a divine service for God. So anything we do is a divine service. So it goes on to say, as though you were working for the Lord rather than people. And I think this is the key to the workplace. It's as though you're working for Jesus rather than maybe your boss isn't a nice guy. You know, maybe he's pretty tough and pretty rough on you. But if we can just kind of turn that around and say, but I'm going to do what this earthly boss is telling me what to do. But I'm going to listen to Jesus as to how I'm going to respond and how I'm going to act. So it's giving your job 100% of your abilities, enjoying your coworkers, even though you may not like them and, you know, they're mean and they say terrible things. And maybe your boss is just one of those that's like, you know, over your shoulder, like, uh, you know, what are you doing? What are you doing? Or bothering you or go here, go there. It doesn't matter. We need to change our mindset. Do you, do you understand? It's not just being a Christian here. It's being a Christian wherever you go. When you leave here, your Christianity doesn't stay in the NPR room. It goes wherever you go. You need to show people God's love, that agape love, that unconditional love, that no matter what they're like or how mean or angry they may be, God loves them. And if God loves them, then you need to love them. The next verse, verse 24, uh, it says, Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. So when you think about that and, and your attitude, God's a little, little reminder here. Remember, and boy, we do have to remember this when we are at work, that the Lord will give you an inheritance. That's eternal life, loved ones. We have eternal life. You know, what kind of an inheritance is that? It, it's the kind that there's, it's not going to mold. It's not going to rust. It's not going to go out of date. Our inheritance is eternity. We've got to keep that in our hearts and our minds. And, of course, uh, that is a, a promise. And along with the promise usually comes a condition. And this is the condition that the master you are serving is Christ. So who is your master? Who is your boss? We had a saying going around, Jesus is the boss of me. Who's your boss? Is Jesus the boss of you? Is Jesus your master? Do you literally give him control while on the job? If you do, you know what? That's the best boss you can ever have, no matter what the earthly boss is like. So if Jesus is our boss, then what's our part? Philippians 2, 14 through 15, do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Amen to that, huh? So he gives us a couple of commands here. No complaining. <laughs> can you do that? Or you thinking, no, no complaining. No arguing. Oh, man, no arguing? Yeah, that's what the scripture says. Why? Why does it tell us that? Because they are watching you. They are watching me. 
because you said you're a Christian. That means you represent Jesus, the creator of the, of the entire universe. And if you're acting like everybody else in the office, complaining and arguing and you know, not considering others, then what kind of a representative is that? I, I think that another key is, am I, you can just question yourself during the day, am I representing Jesus or am I representing the world? So we should continue to work as if Jesus is our boss and we should have clean, innocent lives. You all know what that means. I don't have to go into that for you. We should look like the children of God and let our lights shine brightly. Matter of fact, uh, it is such a true saying that we will work with these perverse uh, and crooked people. Um, I had a, l a little story I want to share with you that a lot of you have heard it before, so I apologize, but I think it's worth saying again that uh, I, I came across this in, when I was working, and I was a brand new believer, and uh, I was so excited for the for the Lord, and I was, I, was, I was just so bold then, a lot bolder than I am today. I mean, when you're a baby Christian, you just get out there and say everything, you know? So I had a few gals, I'd made a little survey, had about five or six gals. I said, I'd really like to have a Bible study during lunchtime once a week. They all went, oh yeah, that'd be so good, so good. So I went into my boss and I asked him if we could have a Bible study once a week during our lunchtime in the conference room. Now, the conference room was never used. I mean, it was empty during lunchtime. It was just for, you know, usually management meetings and things like that. And at first, he said yes. And so I had one Bible study in there, and then he called me into his office, and he said, I don't want you having a Bible study in the conference room anymore. As a matter of fact, I don't want you to have a Bible study anywhere on the company print, uh in the company uh, uh, premises, anywhere. I'm going, oh great, now what do I do? Now listen, when I talk about crooked and perverse people, I wasn't just talking about him, but there was, it was okay for the guy in inspection every day to set up his blackjack table out in the inspection area and all the workers from the production area would come and they would gamble, play 21 with real money on the company premises every single day. Now, that was okay, but a Bible study? Nowhere on the premises. So God, you know, he does have a sense of humor. He works in such wonderful ways. I thought about this guy uh, doing the blackjack table, and he had just bought a new van for uh, him and his wife to go camping. He had a table and chairs and everything in there. I went, hmm. I told, I, and he parked right on the street, not in the company parking lot, right on the street. Interesting, huh? off the premises, so I told the girls, I'm gonna go ask him if we can use his van during Bible study. They laughed, said, oh, Pat, you are out of your mind. This evil guy, you know, who likes to gamble lunchtime, you really think he's gonna let you use his van for a Bible study? Like I said, I was really bold then. Probably today I would be scared, but, but I was really bold then, and I just went up to him, and I said, you know, I told him, I said, you know, I don't have a place to have my Bible study. It's only once a week, and your van's right there. Do you think it's possible that we could use your van for, for our Bible study? And he, he looked at me, and, and he reached in his pocket, pulled out his keys, and he goes, I don't believe, but I don't go against those who do. You see how the Lord worked? Isn't that amazing? So don't give up on people. Did he become a believer? 
not to my knowledge, but he let me use his van. And I know that the Lord blessed him because it got broke into one time and they didn't take hardly anything. It's because the van was blessed, you know, because we're having our Bible study. That's what I like to believe anyway. So yes, we do live in a perverse and crooked world and they are out there, but you and I can make a difference. You and I can make a difference, can't we? You know, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, right? So Jesus tells us that we have the light that leads to eternity. Look at this, John 8, 12. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Is that amazing? You and I have the light that leads to eternal life. And that knowledge, of course, as you know, is that Jesus came to earth, stepped out of paradise, came to earth, and died for our sins and was raised again the third day. That's the light. You and I have that knowledge. Is that amazing? I love this scripture. And, and you know, when you, you say, well, yeah, that's great, you know, but um, I don't have enough light that I don't know enough scripture. Maybe you're, you're fairly new and I don't have enough scripture. You know what? Memorize John 3.16. Most everybody knows that scripture. If that's all you know, I'd like you to learn more. But if that's all you know right now, your story of how the Lord saved you is the best witness you'll ever have. Okay, so next, are we representing Jesus at work? What do we need to do? I like to take it straight from Jesus in Matthew 11.29, and you all pretty much know this one. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And for those of you that maybe aren't real familiar with the Bible, uh, it's not on our screen, but these words are in red. Whenever Jesus speaks, the words are in red. So if you don't have a red-lettered Bible, I highly recommend you get one. And Connie talked about that last week. You know, she said, read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When I first got saved, I went through and read all the red letters first because I wanted to know what he said. So if you want to know what Jesus is like, and you need to know what he's like because we are representing him, how can you represent someone you don't know? So read all the red letters if you have to. I'd like you to read everything in context, but the red letters are when Jesus speaks. And he's speaking here. Pastor Jeff talked about this on, on Sunday. Uh, and honest, I had these notes before he got this scripture. I just want you to know, <laughs> I, I'm not a copycat. I had this prepared a week ago. So that was the Lord. Okay, so he gives us some commands. Here's the first command that Jesus says. He says, take my yoke upon you. What does that mean? Well, in biblical times, most of you probably know this as well, that, that whenever they uh, put two ox together, they would yoke them together with a yoke made of wood. And interesting that the lead one, the stronger ox, would have the bigger portion of the yoke because he was the strongest, and so he was the lead. And then the second one, it was a little bit smaller, and he was the follower. So there's a great quote here that kind of explains that from uh, J.H. Hoyt, and it, it goes like this. He says, oh, I changed the gender from guys to girls because we're all girls. So uh, that's the only thing I changed. Uh, the fatal mistake for the believer is to seek to bear life's load in a single collar. God never intended a woman to carry her burden alone. Christ, therefore, deals only in yokes. 
A yoke is a neck harness for two, and the Lord himself pleads to be one of the two. He wants to share the labor of any annoying task. The secret of peace and victory is in the Christian life is found in putting off that taxing collar of, quote, self, and accepting the master's relaxing yoke. So you can kind of picture that if you let Jesus be the lead and you be the follower, won't that be so much more relaxing? Wouldn't that be the way to go to, to handle these, these tasks we have in the world? The second command, he said, learn from me. So like I said, listen to what he says in, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Go and, and read those and, and see what he's like. See what his personality is like. And by the way, in this Matthew 1129 scripture, this is the only place where you found Jesus speaking of who he was, speaking um, not of who he was, but what he was like, you know, when he says, I'm gentle and lowly in heart. Um, so he's speaking of himself, and he told us that because we are his representatives. And if we're going to be his representatives, we need to know him. Okay, and if you do that, you're going you're gonna to learn from the Gospels how to handle these situations that come up at work. You're going to know how to respond to questions. I, I love how Jesus always uh, responded to the Pharisees, you know, the, the teachers of the law who knew everything. Generally, if you, you will notice, he doesn't answer their question. He gives them a question, which he kind of turns the whole thing around. I love that. And I love how he took care of people, how he healed the sick raised the dead, made the blind to see, the lame to walk. He fed thousands. He calmed the storm. It goes on and on and on. Okay? Learn about him. He says, learn about me. This is all about him. What did he do when he was on earth? He was only here three years. You need to learn what he was like and how he dealt with the worst kind of people. You think you got bad people at your job? Look at all the people he ran into, the worst. But most important, most important, it was how he loved people, even his enemies. And that's what he wants you to do. He wants you to love people, not with your love, because your love is very uh, particular in who you love and who you don't love. But God loves everyone. And we need to learn that. We need to learn what does that mean to love everyone. It means to accept them exactly the way they are. I don't care if they're playing blackjack at lunchtime, okay? I don't care if they're yelling at me to get out, of your, get out of his office. That was another situation. I don't have time to tell you. But you can have a boss that yells at you all the time. I had one of those. You know, I don't care what they're like. And Jesus doesn't care what they're like. He wants you to care. He wants you to love them. Because you're representing Jesus, and you're going to hear me say that over and over, because by the time you leave here, you're going to say, yes, I'm a representative of Jesus Christ, because that's where we're headed, okay? He went on to say, I am gentle. That means having or showing a mild, kind, or temperate, tender temperament or character, and that's a 24-7 thing. And I, when I think about being gentle, I think of a, a mom with a newborn baby. 
how gentle. Even a big, burly guy, when he holds a, a newborn baby, he's gentle, isn't he? That's the kind of gentle we're talking about. That's what Jesus is saying. Learn from me. I am gentle. He says, I'm lowly in heart. What does that mean? That means he takes the lowest position ever. He's meek, and I love the definition of meek. It means strength under control. Strength under control. You got the strength. You got the power, but it's under control. You're not out of control. Okay, and then the promise that Pastor Jeff talked about on Sunday is that you're going to find rest for your souls. So knowing that about Jesus, how do you and I find rest in such a chaotic world? How can you and I rest when we're at work? How can we rest when we're dealing with a demanding boss or a co-worker that is angry and mean to you and uh, we're not supposed to complain or argue and we're working in the midst of the crooked and perverse people? How can we rest when we're doing that? Guess what? You can't. You can't do it. That is under your own strength. But my Bible says, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything impossible with him? Absolutely not. It's only possible, the only way you're going to be do that, to do this and be a true representative of Jesus is through the power of the Holy Spirit. He's the one. Jesus, we're going to go over the scriptures. You know, Jesus tells us about the Holy Spirit. He told the disciples he knew they were going to need help. He knows you and I need help. Okay, we can't do it on our own strength. We can only do it by the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit. John 14, 26 says, but the helper, this is in red letters, this whole thing, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. Wow. So the Holy Spirit's going to teach us about Jesus. He's going to help us remember what we read in the scriptures. And Jesus goes on to tell us that we need this power. And again, in red letters, Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You and I are to the end of the earth, because he was speaking to his disciples. But to the end of the earth, that's you and me. We're going to be witnesses or representatives of him. So this power, it's not our strength. And, and you can read about this uh, on the day of Pentecost. If you read Acts, great book to go through, but chapter 2 talks about the day of Pentecost. If you remember, that's when the disciples, about 150 of them, were uh, praying in, in the upper room, I believe. And it talks about this mighty rushing wind that came and, and fell upon them, tongues of fire fell upon them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the day of Pentecost. That was, um, that was the promise that Jesus said. That's the power that's not ours. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the third person of the Godhead living within you. Is that awesome? That is just an amazing thing to me. I, I still, I'm just in awe of that, that the Lord would do that for us. And I love this mighty rushing wind because it's like... Um, when, when the wind's blowing, you, you can feel it. You can see the trees moving. You see your hair blowing out of place, right? So you know that it's windy, but you can't see it, can you? It's the same as the Holy Spirit. He's powerful, 
but you can't see him because he's spirit. Does that make sense? I don't Okay. So when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, um, in Ephesians, I didn't put this up, but Ephesians 4.30, if you want to go back and read it, it talks about when the Holy Spirit comes upon you that you're sealed. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit. So that means he can't leak, right? He can't go away. He's within you. You are sealed. And I kind of back in those days, you know, when they had the, I think of being sealed with wax, and then the king would put his signet ring, you know, in the wax. I kind of see that on each of us, that when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, God puts his signet ring on you and says, approved for all eternity. Approved. The that seal. So if you get a chance, go back and read Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verse 30. So how will you and I know when the Holy Spirit is upon us? Well, he said, you're going to be witnesses for me to the end of the earth. Okay? I can't do that on my own. I didn't know as a young believer that it was the Holy Spirit that gave me that boldness to go talk to that guy and ask for his keys. I didn't know enough to know then. I was just a few months old in the Lord. But he gave me that boldness. You know, he, he made me active. He made me want to read the scriptures. Oh, I just had to know what the Bible said. You know, you'll get a hunger and a thirst for the word of God. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He keeps, he keeps coming. He keeps telling you things, and he guides you. This is your part. You need to listen to that small, still voice, okay? You need to listen because he has something to tell you, and, if he, and he puts up red flags, too. You know, it's like, okay, Pat, don't go there. Don't say that. Don't say what's up here, okay? Sometimes you just have to zip it and walk away. I do a lot of zipping, you know. Just walk away. <laughs> um, so Jesus asked, asked God the Father to uh, give us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this is in Luke eleven thirteen. It says, and this is in red letters again. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Wow, all we have to do is ask. That's what Jesus said, and if Jesus said it, that's the way it is. And we know that every good gift is from God, so we just have to ask. Jesus goes on to say uh, that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. He says, however, red letters again, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. In other words, what the Holy Spirit hears from God for you is what he speaks. He's the truth. He's going to guide you, okay, because we need help, don't we? I need to be guided. So he's going to guide you into all truth and even be able to understand what you read about prophecy. So after the day of Pentecost, we can actually see in the scriptures the proof that the Holy Spirit has come because on that day, all the disciples began to speak in other languages, in other dialects. And the interesting thing, you know it's a God thing, because remember, this was um, all, all the Jews had come back to Jerusalem for the Passover. So all these people were there, all different dialects, all different kinds of dialects. And here were all the disciples. They all spoke in all these different dialects. Isn't that amazing? 
that is just amazing. Then the other wonderful thing we see is our little beloved Peter. Man, he gets up and listen to what he says in Acts chapter 2, verses 16 through 18. He says, but this is what was spoken of the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. So when he spoke this prophecy, he was telling the, all the Jews and all the people listening that, hey, this has been fulfilled. This is an actual fulfillment. Joel is an Old Testament prophecy that the day was going to come when the Spirit would come, the Holy Spirit would come on all flesh, all flesh. And it had come to pass on that day of Pentecost. And that's what, what Peter is quoting here, that he will pour out, pour out his Spirit on all flesh. So daughters, maidservants, that's you and me. So the day of Pentecost uh, was fulfilled prophecy, and it was also uh, the beginning of the church, as we know it, as, as our church. And it was assigned to the Jews that the Holy Spirit was made available to the Gentiles. Remember, they thought they were the only ones that God spoke to. Well, guess what? Now you and I have the Holy Spirit to speak to us, the Gentiles. So that was a great day for all of us. So is it difficult for you and I to receive the Holy Spirit? Well, there's an interesting um, scripture. I, I just want to tell you about it before I, I turn there. Um, Paul the Apostle was uh, doing his ministry walking, and he came across 12 men. And this is what he said to them. He asked them, uh, Acts 19.2, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, he asked them? No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Now, these are what we call Old Testament saints. I forgot to stop my timer. <laughs> I hope I don't run out of time. Forgive me, Connie. These are Old Testament saints. I have a lot to tell you. Old Testament saints, you know. In other words, these are the guys that heard John the Baptist's teaching, but they didn't know about the Holy Spirit. They weren't in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. They didn't know what it was about. They said, we never even heard of the Holy Spirit. And then it goes on to say, then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. So that's how simple it is. He laid hands on them and prayed for them. And then the scripture said, we read previously, all you have to do is ask, and the Lord will give you the Holy Spirit if you're not sure you have him. So I don't have time to go into these other things about speaking in tongues and prophecy, so we're going to skip over that. And so the evidence that you are being led by the Holy Spirit will be seen, and this is what I really want you to understand, in your spiritual fruit. Now, please don't uh, mix the gifts of the Spirit, the prophesying, speaking in tongues, all that. Don't confuse that with the fruit of the Spirit. It's a totally different thing, okay? Galatians, you guys know a lot of, should know most of this. Galatians 5, through 23, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no, no law. So the reason I, I quoted, wanted to quote that scripture to you is because you and I are 
like trees, and we produce fruit. In other words, we produce spiritual fruit. So my question to you is, what's on your tree? What do you got growing on your tree? Have you got some good spiritual fruit going? Because all these things I just that are listed here in Galatians is everything that Jesus is. And if this is everything that Jesus is, and we're going to be his representatives, then we need to have the, the fruit of the Spirit. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. So we need to kind of make that our goal. And then I thought, boy, if we could produce this kind of fruit at work, what a witness that would be you know, to the other people, you know? It would just, it would change everything. And so I thought, well, you know, there's a lot of uh, pieces of fruit listed here, spiritual fruit. Why don't you just take one at a time? Like, take love and go to the back of your Bible. Most your Bibles have a concordance. If you don't, they have separate concordances. Go back to the back of your Bible, look up the word love, and all those scripture references on love, write them down, look them up, and read them. Then maybe the next week or two, no matter how long that takes you, then take the next word, joy. I did hear this really cute thing about patience, because if anybody needs patience, it's you're looking at her, okay? I, I, like, I like this definition. I hadn't heard it before. It says, waiting without complaining. <laughs> waiting without complaining. Can we do that? I, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Okay, like I said, don't, uh, please don't confuse the fruit of the Spirit with the, with the gifts of the Spirit. Totally different, okay? And Jesus gives us another gift that we desperately lead, uh, need. And again, Pastor Jeff talked about this on Sunday. In John 14, 27, and this again is in red letters, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Why do we worry? You know, I ask myself, why do I worry? Jesus left us this amazing gift. He says, I'm giving you a gift here. All you have to do it is peace of mind and your heart. Wow. To have that kind of peace, we could do our jobs pretty easy if we were at peace at work or wherever we are. Now, not your peace, it's his peace. Matter of fact, uh, that was the New Living uh, Translation that I have up here. But in the New King James, Jesus says, it's my peace, my peace I give to you. So the gift he gave to you was his personal peace. All you have to do is take it. And the world doesn't understand peace. He said they wouldn't understand this kind of peace. Why? Romans 8, 6, it says, So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So when it says our spiritual nature leads to death, that's spiritual death, not, you know, dead, dead, spiritual death. Might as well be dead if you're spiritual dead, right? Uh, and let the spirit control your mind. Isaiah 26, 3, I didn't put that up, but it's the one that says you will have perfect peace if you keep your mind stayed on me. And you might, well, how are you going to do that, Pat? When I'm working, i got to concentrate. Yes, but there are times when you pause or when you take a break or whatever. You know, and I just, when I find I'm going through trials and the enemy's trying to get me, I, I go back and I quote a scripture because I know he doesn't like it. You know, and I try to remember scripture. I try to remember some of the red letters that Jesus said. That's keeping your mind stayed on him. And, you know, memorize scripture. Sometimes I, I just, 
I listen to a worship song. Worship songs minister to, to my soul, and that helps me so much. And of course, read the word if you're in a position to do that. You can't do that on the job, only at break time and at lunchtime, okay? And by the way, be careful what you say to people during work hours, only on break time and lunchtime or after work. Okay, his peace will guard our hearts and minds, Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I love that, that the peace, this peace of God, we can't understand it. And maybe you've experienced that peace. I have on different occasions, like getting ready for surgery. My very first surgery ever, scared to death he was going to open up my whole back, and I'm sitting there going, no, 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 you know, life is good. You know, no, not quite that good. But, um, but I had peace, honest, I had peace, because I couldn't understand why I felt so at peace. I just like, wow, my first surgery ever, and this is going to be a big thing, you know. But I honest, I, that's where I, the first time I think I ever understood what this scripture meant when it says it surpasses all understanding because my logic said that doesn't make sense. You know why? Because it's supernatural. It's not natural. It's supernatural. That's the difference. And it says it will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So let's let his peace rule in our hearts, Colossians 3.15. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. So we want to live in peace and always be thankful. Aren't you thankful that you're a Christian? Aren't you thankful that you have eternity? You don't have to worry about where you're going when you die. I'm thankful. I am so thankful. Uh, so what is our part then? Again, First Thessalonians 4, 11 through 12, it says, make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands, just as we instructed you before. Then people are not believers with respect. Will, uh, I'm sorry. Then people who are not believers will respect the way you live and you will not need to depend on others. So you will be an example if you're living a quiet life, minding your own business. So you know what that means, right? No gossip, okay. Minding your own business and working with your hands, doing your job, minding your own business, showing the world that you're different. You want the world to say, wow, what is that about her? How can she be so at peace with all this stuff that's going on in her life? Like I said, it's not natural. That, that's not the naturally me. But it's supernatural because it's the spirit of God. So show the world that we're different, how we live, how we dress, how we talk, how we handle situations. That's where the rubber meets the road. That's where you really have to depend on the Holy Spirit to help you. And I promise you, he will. If you will ask him, he will help you. He will give you the words. He will give you that calmness. You know, he, he's the spirit of truth. He'll show you all these things. And I have one more scripture, and I promise I'm going to end. Just one more. Oops, where'd he go? There he is. Nope. Oh, we missed him. Um, it's the last one. It's probably my fault, Nene. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just going to read it to you. I'm going to put this up. 2 Timothy 2.15. It says, work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. 
be a good worker and one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. Correctly explains the word of truth. How are you going to explain the word of God if you never read it? How are you going to tell him about Jesus if you don't know what he's like? Or how are you going to represent him if you don't understand his ways and his attributes? And, you know, we want to be a good worker, don't we? And speak the truth. Because speaking the truth pleases God. And not to be ashamed of the gospel. You know, don't be ashamed that you're a Christian. We need to be bold. And when someone asks you, you have an answer. And the word of God, honestly, today in our world, the word of God is the only truth. Seriously, it's the only thing I can believe. Because this side says this side and that side says that side. I don't know who's telling the truth anymore. You know, you can't tell. But I know the word of God is true. It's true. And it's the only thing we can rely on. Okay, so I promise that was the last scripture, but I want to do a quick summary because I know I gave you a lot of stuff. I know I did. So let just quickly, okay? How do we let the sun shine in the workplace? Working willingly at whatever we do. Working for the Lord rather than, than people. And we will, we will then receive the greatest inheritance if Jesus is our boss. No complaining, no arguing. Let your little light shine bright, okay? And if we want to be more like Jesus, let's take his yoke upon us, learn from him, be gentle and lowly in heart. And his promise to us is we will find rest for our souls if we do that. He says on another promise, we will receive power, power when the Holy Spirit comes. And the Father's promise of the Holy Spirit, he said, simply ask. And Jesus tells us about the Holy Spirit. He says he is the truth. He will guide us. He will show us things to come. He'll help you understand what you read, by the way, in Scripture. You will see evidence of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and that's that spiritual fruit. We're going to get some good fruit on our trees. It's the love, the peace, the joy, and I won't go through all those because I don't want to bore you. <laughs> and Jesus gives us another gift, his peace, supernatural peace, that peace that passes all understanding, peace of mind and heart. His peace rules in our hearts. So I know that I've given you a whole lot of stuff. But if you have any questions about the Holy Spirit and how he operates in our life, after the discussion time, after we're dismissed, I'm going to be in the back there. I would be more than happy to talk to you with any questions you may have because I don't want anybody to leave here confused. I gave you a lot of stuff but I can't help it. The scriptures are so good, you know, and you need to hear them. So um, if you have any questions, I'll be back there for you. Let's close with prayer. Father, truly, truly you are an awesome God, and, and we are so blessed. We are so honored to be called your children. And Lord Jesus, would you help us? Would you help us to be the kind of people that you want us to be? Would you help us to be godly women, women who follow hard after you, Lord, women who are sensitive to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say. Lord, help us to do that. Help us to know how to, to make our spiritual fruit look good so that others might want what we have. That peace, Lord, that peace that passes all understanding, it's ours. You've given it to us. So, Father, I pray for every woman here tonight that as they leave this place and they think about uh, just all these things that we've talked about tonight in your word, Lord, that you would speak to them, 
that you would lead and guide them. Father, um, I know it's just a simple prayer, and, and we all can pray. So I'm just asking for an anointing of your Holy Spirit upon these women tonight, that as they leave this place, they would walk, Lord, with their heads high, knowing that they have good fruit, and that you're just going to make it better and better the more they learn. So, Lord, thank you for our time together. Thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. And most of all, thank you for Jesus our Lord, our Redeemer, our Savior, and it's in his precious name that we pray. Amen.